Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. Today's host is going to be Cryptolissa, and our speaker of today is going to be Jake Jabrelli. With that said, let me go ahead and plug in the disclaimer. This content is for entertainment purposes only. Any comments made by the host or the guest is not financial advice. With that said, Cryptolissa, it's all you. Thank you, John. I'm so excited to be here. A little nervous because it's my first actual, like, he's a host, but we're going to make it. And I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Jake. Jake, what is your favorite pastime? Oh, yes. Yeah, so the uh, icebreaker thing. Yeah. Um, I like to travel. I haven't gotten a lot of chance to travel as late, but over the summer, I did a lot of it. Um, I went to all kinds of crazy places out here in the Sacramento, uh, Sacramento area, just we're technically gold country out here. And so there's a lot of 49er campments that were built up in the last 150 years. And I've tried the best I can to go to a lot of them. I think my favorite one uh, in the summertime was going to a town called Volcano. <laughs> there is no volcano up there. There's a little bit of volcanic ash from probably a thousand you know, million years ago or something, but there's no actual volcano. And what's fun about that town, though, in particular, is that it has uh, black caverns in it. And uh, the black caverns themselves aren't very big, but it, it's not a lot of places in California you can go underground where it's all made up so that you can actually look at stuff underground. So it's kind of neat to uh, to visit. But, yeah, I like to travel when I get the chance. So is there any particular place outside of California that you love traveling to? Um, it's been a very long time. I've hit most of the major cities in California, in the United States. Um, I've been to Austin a lot. I'd say it's probably one of my favorite places. It's kind of a weird, uh, annex to Texas, uh, cause it's kind of like Silicon Valley, uh, but in Texas. Uh, and I think people actually refer to it that way. So I like Austin. I love New York. Haven't been there in a year and quite, quite a number of years. Um, Austin, but yeah, I, I'd say if I wanted to go back somewhere, I'd say Chicago, because the last time I was in Chicago was like early 2000s, and I just haven't seen it in a long time, and I really kind of miss going back. That's so cool. I haven't even been to Chicago or New York. I've been to Texas a couple of times, but um, I would like to hit New York or um, like all major cities, I would say. Um, I've traveled a lot in California. Can you tell us a little bit what you do or did before crypto? So can you say again get kind of cut out there? Oh, um, can you talk a little bit about what you did uh previous to crypto or um if you're still doing it or if you do crypto full time? Yeah, I would say I do crypto for fun and for work. Uh, kind of made itself into a job because I, I made my hobby into a job. Um, but before crypto, let's see, I got into crypto in the summer of 2014. Um, I'd heard about it from actually a Sunny School student of mine who was mining Bitcoin back in 2012. Uh, but uh, I kind of didn't think much of it at that time. Prior to that, uh, let's see here. Pretty sure I'm the eldest of the group here. Uh, I got into IT. Well, it was, I was always electrically inclined. 
always into computers, always into electronic stuff. Um, I was a sound engineer initially, uh, or at least that's what I went to school for back in the 90s. But um, uh, IT, I got into IT in the late 90s and that worked for an uh, electrical engineering firm after I got out of school and uh, worked there for old, about a little over 10 years. Got into all kinds of interesting electronics things through that company, even though I wasn't explicitly doing my degree. You know, as an electrical engineer, I could have worked as an electrical engineer for Maximum Integrated, which is my first major uh, job. But I didn't. I was IT the whole time. Um, and after uh, Maximum, I went to a, a data center company called NTT America. And then after that, I went out on my own. But uh, I would say I've always been a projects person. And in the middle of like like early 2000s, I got into electric cars. I'd actually been into them in the 90s when I was in high school, but uh, didn't really, you know, as a high school student, you don't have a lot of leeway or, or clout to do anything. So it wasn't until the, about 2005 when I got into electric cars. I've been, I'm still doing electric car stuff now, but uh, if, if there's a claim to fame of something I did before crypto, because technically 2008 was about the time I got into it, 2005 to 2008, um, uh, Bitcoin wasn't a thing yet. So um, at that time, I was doing uh, just participating with the club. And then later, when crypto became more of a thing and I had more time and more energy and more interest, I got into crypto, like I said, in 2014. But actually, in 2014, right after I got into crypto, I was the president of the Electric Auto Association in Silicon Valley. And while I was there, um, late in that year, we set the Guinness World Record. I still have that placard on my wall proving that I set the Guinness World Record, um, not personally, but with the group. Um, and you know, I, I got into was it Dogecoin and Litecoin and realized it was hard to purchase crypto in the early days. And uh, so I just decided to mine it. It was easier to get a hold of. Um, mine Doge, uh, at, at one point, I think I had about a half a million Doge. Uh, I started mining Litecoin at that time. I don't remember how much I had total until after I looked at the wallet. I think the total amount of Litecoin I had at any one time was about 300. Um, but the crypto didn't really become a thing like it is for me today until, let's say, early 2019. Um, when I realized there were possibilities that, that would serve me in a way that would make a business and a job out of it. Um, I decided in 2017, I didn't want to work for anyone else. I want to work for me. Um, and they say, you can be your own worst boss. Uh, so I uh, decided to work for me in 2017. And that didn't work out because I couldn't get enough clients. So I went back to working for another company, you know, nine to five. And it, it's been a, like a battle, of, battle to myself battling with myself as to whether or not I want to work for me or I want to work for someone else. I know I want to work for me. So I've been trying to pour all my energy into uh, building the farm that I currently own um, and making it profitable and making it a thing um, that I can live off of. So I am a miner. I have been mining now for, uh, for my own customers for a little over a year and a half. And I really enjoy this. Even as hard as it can be at times, it is fascinating. It is, a, it is something that uses all the talents I have in all the things that I've learned over the last 25 years. Um, 
and it's 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 I don't know if it's I, think, I don't know the phrase was I was thinking of was um, Confucius saying that that goes if you do something you love you'll never work a day in your life. So. Yes, yes, that is for sure. So you mentioned that you used to teach Sunday school. Did I hear that right? Or yes. That's true. Yes. Could you expand a little bit on that portion? Or... All right. So I'm, I've been raised in a, in a faith, born and raised in, a, in, the, in the faith, the Christian faith that I belong to. Um, and in, let's see here, 2006, I joined the church in Sunnyvale where I lived most of the time. I, mean, I, I lived in Silicon Valley from like the late 90s until the late teens. Um, so basically from like 1999 until 2018. And then in, 2000, in the early 2000s, I joined a church that was there of the same faith. And they, they're like, oh, a new person. <laughs> hey, uh, what, what would you like to do? And I was like, I want to do everything. You know? And they're like, oh, would you like to be on the board? And would you like to be a Sunday school teacher? Would you like to be the pastor? I'm like, I, like I said, I'll do it all. And of course, they, they basically gave me every job. But you can't do every job. That's impossible. So... Um, from about 2006 to 2014, I was a Sunday school teacher, and at one point, the superintendent of the Sunday school at my church. Um, would you like to go any more detail than that? Oh, no, I didn't know if you were done. Um, just, it got quiet, so I didn't know if you got done. Um, no. So, you mentioned that you were, um, you know, an uh, engineer, right? And yep. so, obviously, this coding coding comes easy to you. I'm assuming. Um, it's something I learned. I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing to do, <laughs> but no. intricate, intricate, and complicated uh, uh, concepts and ideas do intrigue me. So. so, did you ever see yourself? coming into the crypto space full time? Or did you think that you would work a regular job for your whole career? I have never stuck to, well, that's not true. For almost 25 years, I've been pretty much doing IT system, systems administration work. Only as of late have I been doing something different than that other than crypto. Um, when I got into crypto in 2014, and like I said, realized that it would be more difficult to buy than to just mine. I started buying mining equipment. I went on Craigslist, found mining, miners, bought their equipment, figured out how it worked, plugged it in, ran it, made coin. Um, and it was always uh, lost. Uh, basically, I always lost money on it. I, never, I didn't really make very much money until about 20, 2016 to 2018. Um, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw Bitcoin going up. I wish I'd bought more Bitcoin when it was cheaper. I think everybody does. But um, I made a bet with myself. I said, okay, well, I'm going to use the technique I've been using for years when I'm doing investing. Um, and that is, if I double my money, I sell half, the, half of what I have and, and recoup the cost of what I put into it. And that's what I did. I bought one Bitcoin for $400 in 2016. And then in 2017, when it hit $800, I sold half of it. And then I had half a Bitcoin, which was basically free because that's what you should do. You should sell off till you have, in my opinion, like I said, 
we said the disclaimer at the beginning, this is not financial advice. This is my opinion. This is what I did. It worked for me. What works for you will be different. Um, I, uh, I sold that and then I held that half Bitcoin until Bitcoin hit $20,000 at the end of 2018, at which time I exercised it, not knowing the price is going to go down. <laughs> but I find it ironic that I sold on the day, the last day of the highest price that, that Bitcoin hit at that time. I think it had hovered around 20 grand for like a day and a half to two days. And right in the middle of that, I traded that half Bitcoin for two ASIC miners, which I then used for the next two and a half years to make far more than $10,000 worth of coin. Um, but uh, I definitely made my money back uh, over that time. And that's, uh, all the, that's all that counts in this business. And I, still have, I still have those two ASIC miners, even though they're not hardly worth anything. But... <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, um, that was the convincer for me I, I think I was already convinced at the time it was more of a hobby it was just like something for fun never thought it would be a job until uh, like I said 2019 when I realized a lot of things were conjoining to, firm, to form the perfect opportunity and I would say that unlike some people I know I'm not talking about any of the people in this group right now but some of my friends have the tendency to act more quickly than I do. I'm a lot more hesitant. Um, and I may have missed out on a lot of opportunities that I could have taken better advantage of if I had been quicker to act. Um, I, I find myself sometimes selling myself off. Like I'll tell a bunch of people about a cool idea. They'll take that idea and do something with it. I feel like I use, I hate to say it, use their experiences as examples of what I could or could not do or should or should not do. Um, and not always does it work, but I, when I get excited about something, I want to tell everybody about it. And that's not necessarily, if you find like, it's like, uh, the fake gurus that say, uh, oh, I found this great way to invest, but rather than practice it myself, which a smart person would do, um, these people have decided to sell their idea to everyone else. And that concept, the idea of, of, uh, selling a, a technique or a method is very common in um in the sphere of of investing because people realize that although it is possible to become a good investor that takes a lot more effort than just selling the idea to a bunch of i hate to put it this way but noobs <laughs> people who don't know what they're doing um it's easier to sell a sucker on a, on a, on a apparently good idea than it is to actually practice that good idea so a lot of fake gurus will do exactly that um, I'm, I find myself to be incredibly hesitant when I see like, oh, that too good to be good, true, eh? I don't believe that. So I won't dig into it. I won't get into it. I'll, I'll do as much research as I possibly can, but I won't necessarily do anything on it. When it came to, if, it, if I had been more uh, headstrong, I think I might have gotten more deeply into crypto earlier and made a lot more money at it, but I'm, I'm just too hesitant. Um, uh, and I, I think that the, I don't know if it's a personal ideal probably is but kind of the slow and methodic you know planning and, and determining and, and, and researching and, and trying to move forward is the better way of going it may not make money as quickly but it will save you from a lot more pain um, and I have learned the hard way many times uh, what it's like to jump to conclusions so. yes for sure and jumping to conclusions is 
easy to do and a lot of people do it uh, fairly quickly. Um, I always use the term, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, and to me, that's kind of a reminder of, you know, don't be too quick to judge, draw conclusions, um, et cetera, I would say. Um, so you said that you have um, a mine right now, or you're a miner and you have a farm. I refer to it. You, I refer to it as a you, farm instead of a mine, which I guess people do refer to it as mining. Um, I decided to rebrand as a farm because I'm out here in farm country, as I think you are too. Um, yes, yes, I am in farm country. I felt like it would be more friendly of a name, so I've been calling it my farm instead of my mine. I'm sure up in farming community, you would probably get some weird looks if you said, oh yeah, I, I have a mine. <laughs> um so can you tell us a little bit about your farm and um, are, do you have GPUs or ASICs or a so combination? It's a, it's a risky business. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who runs, uh, uh, I can't think of his name now. Let me look. I know his, I'm part of, oh, Bits Be Trippin' on YouTube. I don't know if you guys have heard of Bits Be Trippin', uh, but the guy that runs that, that mine or that farm uh, has a lot more GPUs than I do, quite a bit more. And he's—I think he moved on to ASICs and uh, um, liquid cooling as of late. I remember him talking about that recently. But I got into this with 16 graphics cards, all the same kind. A friend who just had them sitting around. He had originally had a company similar to what we're doing now, um, and his company had failed. He got stuck with a bill and had to declare bankruptcy. It's really unfortunate. Not all businesses succeed. Um, I'm, he's still skeptical, even though he's involved in this. Uh, anyways, I I got this started with his cards, and he's like, you can pay, pretty much keep all the profits as long as you don't get, get rid of the cards. I don't care. And then he told me about other people that he had built systems for who still own those systems, the rigs that he built. And I inducted all their rigs into the farm as well. And then when we picked up another friend who knew more about finance, he started getting more people with larger sums of money to buy into more equipment. And so now we're at about 100 GPUs uh, in the farm and about 35 systems that are just uh, CPU-based systems. And then about five ASICs, not a whole lot of ASICs. ASICs use a lot of power. The advantage, and I don't mind admitting this in this interview um, that we have, and the reason I even did this in the first place, is I've been, there's a lot of different uh, questions when it comes to can you build a, a mine or a farm? One of those is where are you going to get and how much power are you going to use? Where are you going to get it from and how much are you going to use? Now, a lot of mines, in my experience, up into the northern states because the power is cheap. Um, it's mostly run off of uh, uh, waterfalls, you know, hydro water. Uh, hydropower, rather. And so the power tends to be really inexpensive. Uh, I know up in Washington, it can be as cheap as five cents per kilowatt. And uh, here in California, it can be very expensive, depending upon where you live. But I happened to find a place that did what's called gross lease. Uh, if you know anything about leasing property uh, or leasing an office space, 
you know, the gross lease is pretty uncommon, uh, mainly because nobody does it. It's just not as practical for the owner. The owner would rather uh, have the tenant pay for pretty much everything if they could. Um, and this place that I'm in doesn't do that. You don't even have uh, power meters for all the suites. So it kind of has to be gross lease. Uh, so I got in here and I asked the guy, I said, look, I'm going to be doing hardware testing, which is not inaccurate. Um, and he said, that's fine. I said, oh, I'm going to be using a lot of power. He said, that's fine. I said, you're sure? He said, yes. If you're willing to sign up for a year's worth of time from me, I'm fine with you doing whatever you want in the suite. I said, all right. So since then, he's changed his tune, but um, not by a lot. I'm still getting the suite for a lot less than most people pay for per square foot. And it's all flat rate. I don't pay for power. I mean, I do pay for power by paying for the lease. Don't pay for power per kilowatt. Um, and although there are an interesting number of different problems I have to deal with in this, the cost is one of the nice ones I don't really have to think much about. Um, and so am, are we making enough money to make more than enough money to pay everybody who works here? Mm, not really. Um, but I have made a lot of customers pretty happy. So. <laughs> uh, hey, that's all that counts. Oh, well. I mean, obviously we're all in to make money, but making customers happy is always the number one thing because then they'll always stick around, right? Yep, yep. I've been fortunate in that sense. Um, so it's still a relatively small operation, uh, but it's, it's something I really enjoy doing despite the problems I've, I've run into. It's... It takes a lot of uh, attention to detail and a lot of comprehension and understanding of how computers work and what you can do to improve upon that performance. Um, I, I would say uh, there, if I have a mantra, a personal mantra, it's uh, efficiency over everything. Uh, I realize there are other aspects to life than efficiency, and I will uh, pay attention to those things. But... I make it a point for myself to be as efficient as possible with my with my hardware and with my job. And so I'm always seeking a better way to do something. And that's probably the thing I, I enjoy doing the most is, is seeking efficiency and, and making it practical. So if I do with my current position here, the owner of this farm, that's my that's always what I'm doing is seeking the most efficient thing I can. That's pretty cool. I mean what what person wants to find more efficiency i mean obviously all of us do well i do um, not, not everyone does i it's surprising um i would say a lot of people just want to be happy and just have uh you know have a good life rather than actually seeking efficiency because there's plenty of things that people do that are so totally inefficient and it makes them happy so they don't care if it's not efficient so is your ultimate goal quitting your job and doing crypto full time? Yeah, I would say that probably be, uh, it, let, me, let me make a, a, a side comment on, on this in general. I didn't come out to um, the SAC metro area where I currently live to do crypto. I realized it's something I know how to do and it's something I've been doing for a while, but it not, was not my original goal. My original goal when coming out to this area was to buy land and then to uh, 
practiced a different program I've been working on back in this in the San Francisco Bay Area, which was uh, a program I created called the Energy Energy Independence Project. And the idea in that was to help uh, residents that live in the city uh, live off grid. Uh, cities don't like you to leave the grid. They find that to be impractical because then you're not paying them and they want you to do that. And, and how would you leave the grid while you're still technically in it? So there have been a pl plenty of, of lawsuits and, and in conflicts between people who want to be off grid but still live in the city. And so I saw the problem and wanted to solve it. So the point of buying land was to be able to practice that, uh, practice what I, what I was preaching so I could sell the idea to other people and do consulting. And crypto is a thing I know how to do. And it is the thing that I hope makes me money so that I can pour that money into my other projects. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a means to an end. Um, and I do like crypto and I think it's fascinating and I think it's going to be revolutionary, not just in being a financial um, a vessel, but it's there's all kinds of things that we can use crypto for, not just making money or, spend, or sending money or spending money. Uh, it's just one of the probably near infinite ideas that the concept of crypto, crypto can be used for um, the public ledger as it were. Uh, I'm fascinated by that and I, I hope to be able to use it in, um, in my other ventures once I can get to doing those things. But I, I'm, I don't want to make this podcast about anything other than crypto, but there are, there are so many other project aspects that I've been trying to delve into that would help California become uh, more energy independent and not worry so much about what people are spending their, you know, spinning their wheels on, like pouring power into crypto. Um, I, I guess the only teaser I'd like to put in is I've, I've been trying to develop and, and look into ways of reducing California's water use right now. Uh, I think more than 60% of water use in California goes to farming. And I'm not saying that's bad. But we could be so much more efficient. I'm not going to go into how or why, but there's just so much more that can be done. And um, one of the things I find is practical is if you can make a thing, it might be altruistic, it might be good, it might just be you know political interference that you're running into. But if you can make it uh, practical and something that capitalism looks fondly at, then you can uh, get that thing to work. You don't have to worry about fighting politicians anymore. At the point that it becomes a capitalistic ideal, people will spend all their money to make it happen. And so my goal with this is to try to make this energy independence project and other projects with farming into uh, a, a capitalistic ideals. If we do that, nothing will stop it. So, Could you crypto going into that project? Yeah, no, I, I plan on using crypto in my projects um, for nothing more than just like public ledger of information of seeing the things that are happening. Um, I'm not going to divulge all this because some of this is NDA stuff, but um, I, I, I'm looking forward to using the advantage, advantageous aspects of crypto in the use of those other projects. Well, I'm interested to learn more when that time comes. And hopefully that time comes. I'm super excited. 
for you that you've got all these other projects going on. Um, in terms of crypto, what would you say your favorite cryptocurrency is and what your least favorite cryptocurrency is and why? All right, well, I'm going to start with the least uh, because I don't know that I have a most at the moment. I have ones that I like, but I wouldn't say they're most. Um, least is Ethereum. Um, I don't want to put Ethereum down too much because it, it was it's the second version of crypto to be popular. And it was poorly designed. Now, fortunately, there are other people developing ways of making that poor design not so per, so problematic. Um, but yeah, I it's ironic because my mine up until a week ago was mining Ethereum. Um, and I most of the time that the farm existed, it was farming Ethereum. That was all it did. And I have convinced all my customers to move away from Ethereum because we're not going to be able to, to mine it anymore, farm it anymore. Uh, not, I mean, not immediately, but in the near future. Um, I know that v Vitalik Buterin had said that it wouldn't be until mid-2022 when they finally convert over to proof of stake. But at some point in the very near future, a lot of machines are going to shift away from um, Ethereum onto other coins. And it will be the true day, the true uh, day of all altcoins getting boosted for proof of stake or proof of work rather. So yeah, my least favorite is Ethereum because of its inefficiencies um, and also because of its weird, weirdly centralized management. Um, but if I were to try to pick a favorite, I still like Dynamo even though it's been having trouble lately. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really have any, like a, I'm dedicated to Dynamo. I spent a lot of time on it, and I really like it, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite. Um, it's the favorite of the hour, if it's anything. Um, I think it has a great deal of potential, and I really think that a lot of people could benefit from its utility because of these, the founder's ideals on, on what Dynamo was set out to be. But um, I don't know that I have an explicit favorite. I just know I, there's, I, I don't own a whole lot of Bitcoin, and I don't own a lot of, of Ethereum because I'm not of either one of them so can you explain a little bit about what dynamo coin is um dynamo is a, is a fork of bitcoin um with a lot of attempts to fix the problems that both ethereum and, and, and bitcoin have um bitcoin currently stands at primarily a store of value which is not a bad thing but it was always really costly to transact on Bitcoin. Now I know Lightning Network takes care of that, but um, that's still a layer two thing, not layer one thing. And the popularity of Bitcoin means that a lot of people own it because everybody knows it. It's the it's the Disney of of, um, of crypto. You know, it's the most popular name. Um, Dynamo is going is the the plans, the ideals of Dynamo originally before this weird problem that happened in the last two weeks was to be a um, proof of work and proof of stake coin. So it wouldn't have the 51% attack problem that, that other coins have. Um, it was to do uh, NFTs and it's well on its way to doing that. It was to do relatively inexpensive transactions. It was to do 
all voting on the chain instead of through a centralized uh, entity like a DAO or even a, um, actually a DAO is technically more decentralized. I shouldn't say DAOs like that. Um, uh, like a company, like a foundation or something. It was to try to get away from that and have um, proof, of, proof of staking or staking and DeFi as well as uh, storage. And to try to hit all the major uh, functions of a coin and or a token and to make all that stuff possible and so one of the things that i really liked about the foundation of uh, the founders founding uh, developers uh, concept of dynamo was that it, we could use it on any of the normal ways of mining so you could do it on gpus or cpus but not on fbh fba um, fpgas or on asics uh, it was going to be resistant to those types and I'm not going to go into the, the things that happened as of late, but it, I, in its ideal, it is easy for anyone to use a CPU or a GPU on. Um, and that kind of, doesn't, doesn't kind of, it guarantees that it will be very decentralized. It's a very noble ideal. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work out that way, but um, it's going through some growing pains and every coin has some, some aspect of this, especially if it, if it gets any level of popularity. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by the interest in it. Uh, the, the guy who created it, uh, Sean Neal, he, he, he got tired. It's kind of the, 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 the typical American story of that everyone else turned you away. So you went and did it on your own. That is exactly what happened with Dynamo. Um, went to all these different groups, Ethereum, Ravencoin, uh, Bitcoin, uh, Cos uh, Cosmo, or Cosmos. Uh, I don't remember the other ones. He, he went to a lot of different coin groups, talked to them and said, hey, could you do these changes to your own coin? And they pretty much shoved him away and said, no, we're not interested in your, whatever you're selling. So he's like, hey, fine, I'll do it myself. And that's what exactly he's done. Um, and I think the other important thing to make, and he and Sean has said it many times, and he's been on, on this uh, podcast, it's not about making money. It's not, it's not a rug pull. It's not a, uh, anybody can say this. Obviously, he make these claims. Um, but it's pretty obvious by his actions and by the kind of person he is that it is about making a truly decentralized multi-function, multi-faceted uh, coin uh, that can improve upon, improve upon the previous coins that have, that are either have been in the, the, uh, in, in the space for a while, like Bitcoin and Ethereum, or even new ones that have come out like Raven, which is not that old, um, uh, and improve on that. Everybody's got their own purpose, but uh, this, this one is very distinct in that it's, it's got a lot of really good uses. So I would say maybe it's uh, not even soup of the day. It's, it's my favorite so far. So. That's, that's great to hear. I mean, I love hearing everybody's favorite crypto because as a newcomer myself, I'm still learning, you know, there's thousands of coins. So, um, hearing everybody's personal favorite is, um, or, you know, in your case, uh, soup of the day or 
it was the hour. Coin, coin um, of the day, coin of the hour, right. I, I couldn't think of, it was something just yeah. your, right? This just means of the day, but. Um, yeah. I couldn't think of how to say coin in French, so. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of French, do you speak other languages? Uh, no. Uh, how do I say this exactly? Uh, je ne sais pas. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, in français. Um, I, I know uh, a little bit of a lot of, a lot of languages. Um, I, can, I can say Sprechen Sie Deutsch, which is do you speak German in German? Parlez-vous uh, français, which is do you speak French in French? Um, uh, I have forgotten how to say it in Spanish now. And yet I had a lot of Spanish in, in, in school. Um, Ah, it's slipping my mind. Anyways, uh, various little phrases. My brother speaks Japanese. My mom speaks French. My dad spoke German. So I've gotten a lot of different languages over the years. Um, and every now and then just saying those phrases. I don't know. I, I would like to learn languages. And I spent a long period of time on Duolingo for probably like four years trying to learn uh, French, Spanish, Russian, uh hungarian japanese and uh, uh oh in korean do i speak them no can i understand them sort of uh, can i read them eh. no it's not eh. i'm not a polyglot yet <laughs> <laughs> is that your goal no no i, I no the only way of putting it uh, not to make this interview going much longer but i'm interested in a lot of different things a lot of different things and uh there's not too many things that don't interest me and I, I need to be prepared and understand and try to get into that thing as best i can but if if something sounds fun and interesting i'll look into it i'll research it um, i i remember a friend of mine from the electric auto association making a comment who's who's an engineer she she worked for um hp and for apple for a number of years and i made the comment when we were sitting at our, one of our meetings was um, she, I said, you know, I'm an engineer. And she's like, you're not an engineer. I'm like, well, my degree says I'm an engineer. And she's like, no, you're not an engineer. And the reason I say that is because you have a social life. It's like, what are you saying? Engineers don't have social lives? She's like, no, engineers don't know how to socialize. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, you're probably right about that. She's like, you're, you have too many facets to your character. You, you know about too much stuff and you are interested in too many things. Engineers are, are, one directional. They're only interested in engineering. That's it. I said, you're right. In general, that tends to be the case. And for me, I, I have an interest in many different things. Um, and, and I am, I'm very sociable. I, I think I am at least, um, uh, when I have the time to be so. Um, so yeah, I, I'm fascinated in anything I can learn about, um, to go into more detail, I guess, uh, to try to, coalesce these ideas into one, you know, generality. Uh, I got into farming, which I'm terrible. I don't, I do not have a green thumb, but I, I'm really interested in if making farming efficient. Um, I've gotten into uh, uh, clothing and, and seeing my, my mom was, did clothing, uh, a clothing business for a number of years, and she kind of gave me an insight to how things like that worked. And I would say most men, most men aren't interested in that. Um, I am very interested in it. Uh, how clothing fits, what colors go well, well with what other colors. 
I'm interested in home design and, and, and that and colors and aspects of that. Um, uh, I, I did architecture for a while. I um, mechanical engineering for a while. I, I worked on cars for a while. Uh, I obviously worked on computers for a while. Uh, uh, I'm fascinated in, in, in all kinds of sports because I spent so much time in high school and junior high and, and elementary school in, in various different sports. And so, you know, I like to play if I can. Um, I, I spent a lot of period of time uh, learning how to count cards for, for playing 21. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I can do it. Uh, if it's a six-card shoe, eh, I might be able to do it. But it I need more practice. But I just there's so many different things, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So many different things I like. Um, I I don't think I have just one thing. I mean, I'm spending a lot of time on crypto because it's fascinating. But there's all kinds of things I'd like to do. So when it shows me something fun, I'll try it. You sound like a magician. You don't know what you're going to pull out of as far as what you're looking into. Um, so I'm going to ask this question, and it may go where it goes. But do you think crypto long-term could help solve government problems that we have? I mean, that crypto can solve government problems? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, I think crypto can solve a whole lot of different problems. Um, when it comes to government things, there may be uh, functional aspects that crypto can help solve, but they can't really solve the problem of the good old boys club. Uh, that is a, or the old, yeah, I mean, it, that takes a certain level of finesse that a computer just can't do. Um, it's, it, I don't think, I, maybe AI will be eventually become good enough to really sling some good BS, but I don't think it will ever comprehend BS. And I'm not saying all the government is BS, but there's a lot of finesse and, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of another term that describes it. Uh, colloquial attitude that takes just a, a level of it's more, it's more like a subjective thing than an objective thing. Crypto is good at objective aspects, and, and, and politics is very subjective. So is government. Now, can it fix things that uh, give us that we need to use ledgers for? Government is particularly good, at least in my experience, in uh, keeping track of stuff. Can crypto do that? Absolutely. It can definitely help the government um, keep track of the literally immense number of things it has to deal with on a regular basis. So could it create a ledger? that could be uh, archived, even if it was if it needed to be encrypted so that it wouldn't necessarily be publicly available? Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of different things that it could resolve. Um, we just need to figure out how to implement it. So, but as far as the politics aspect oh. goes, I don't think that crypto is going to solve that problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think long-term it could solve, like you said, some parts, not all of it. Um, so another aspect of crypto as of late is NFTs or uh, non-fungible tokens. Um, do you own any or what? how do you perceive this space should go? <laughs> um, so Mike sent me a whole bunch of assets on Raven 
when I first met him. I have a lot of assets in my Zellicorp wallet. Um, I only at this point own, I think, five NFTs, uh, most of which I've received for free. Uh, some of which, only, I think, two of which I've purchased. Uh, I try to go from the more practical aspect of the NFT concept, the tying it to something of value and not just as uh, the craze has gone with the, what appears to be money laundering and the sale of very expensive things on the internet. Um, I think NFTs can be quite practical in tying themselves. Like, uh, um, I think how Raven was originally doing it. I like the idea of selling, oh, these are assets, not NFTs, of selling stock. In fact, I, I looked into Raven initially to try to do that, to use Raven as my stock for my company so I could raise money. And I may still do that. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that I will, won't will go the more traditional way or use Raven as that asset technique. Um, but as far as NFTs go, I think NFTs can be can be really useful in ways we haven't even fathomed yet. Um, like John's example of putting his book in the format of an NFT. You can resell the book, but I mean the original copy, like the master copy, can be an NFT, and you can just hold on to it and say, nope, no one can own this. This is my original copy. Um, but you could give out, you know, copies of NFTs, so that all those individual non-functional tokens were um, unique. That could be a way of doing it. Um, but uh, in the sense of, of uniqueness as to what an NFT actually is, it means it can't be split up like an asset can. Um, it's it's fascinating. I, I at this moment can't even, like I said before, fathom the the scale at which NFTs could possibly be of value to the to to the world. We're really just hitting the tip of the iceberg right now, in my opinion. So you, you think it's obtainable for a longer period of time? Well, as long as the network exists, yeah. Um, I know we've talked about how some companies were embedding their, the, the content of NFT into their website instead of putting it on the chain. I think that's poor practice. I think it, that the better practice is to embed it in the chain and use something like IPFS to keep track of that extra content. But um, the... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the utility of NFTs, I can't, I can't even explain. It's just, just too much to it. Too much and not a short amount of time. <laughs> we, could, we could have an entire series of shows about NFTs, probably. So how would you, this will probably be my last question before we close this podcast out. Where would you like to see crypto and or NFTs go for the future? I'm going to set NFTs aside because I, I still don't fully comprehend what I can do with them at this moment. Like I said, there's just too many possibilities. I don't know if there's going to be like a uniquely obvious best use case for NFTs at this moment. But for crypto, um, example I was thinking of lately was cutting out the middleman. Um, when NFT, when I first even comprehended the idea of uh, crypto, you know, in, in the infancy of, of my discovery of it, I was fascinated to see what FedEx and UPS had been in talks about doing with it. Uh, they were saying, hey, we could have a way of tracking a package from source to destination perfectly every single time, as long as it was tied to blockchain. And then we could cut out all these middlemen groups that we have to deal with 
because we wouldn't need them to track it anymore. Um, and I think the middlemen groups don't want to get be you know eliminated, so they probably come up with their own method of doing it, and they probably try to self-justify. But I get what they're getting at. It's it's this public ledger that tells you exactly what has happened. You don't have to trust a third party. You literally look just look at the blockchain. It tells you where it's been. Now, can people put false information or child porn on the blockchain? Yes, they can. Um, how do you protect against that? We haven't figured that entirely out yet. I know that Mango Farms has talked about encryption, but that doesn't say what the content is. It just says that you, no one else can see it. Uh, it has been at least uh, you know ledgerized, uh, but. I can definitely see that crypto being a tool like Web3, as Jack Dorsey was saying, Web3 is the future. Um, this is when everybody gets a piece of the pie and gets to own part of the internet. Um, crypto is the future. Uh, it's the next revolution in, in uh, not just in finance, but in all kinds of aspects. Like, like I said before, with NFTs, I, I can't identify all the different possibilities that crypto could possibly uh, be used for. I can't even think of that. It's, it's too it's too limitless at this point. I mean, uh, it's like trying to enumerate the internet. I know Google tries to do it. I still don't think they have. Um, it's it is a fascinating and unique and valuable tool that we have figured out how to use. And I, I keep looking back at this. Um, I'm gonna look at this name real quick. I'll make sure I'm getting it right. Um, Milton Friedman, I mentioned him multiple times in the podcast that we've done in the past. He was a brilliant economic economist and statistician who in the late 70s theorized about the concept of cryptocurrency. Now, he didn't call it cryptocurrency, he called it e-cash, um, which ironically is a cryptocurrency now. But um, he, uh, he was fascinated with the idea of getting uh, money out of the hands of the financial institutions. And yet he was an economist, you know, a person involved in this directly. But his point was, uh, we need to wrest control of uh, money and its processing away from the financial beings that exist because they uh, so commonly uh, try to use it to control people. And that's inappropriate. And he saw that. He saw that before I was born. This interview they did was in the, it was in, I believe it was in the early 70s or mid 70s. And I wasn't born until the late 70s. But um, he, uh, he said this, and my dad was the one who told me about this guy, and I read his book um, because it was so important. The man lived from, from the early 1900s until uh, he was almost, almost 100 years old. He, he lived like, to like 94. Um, and in that whole time, he knew this very problem that we'd been seeing. Um, and did he become vastly wealthy? No, because he was trying to uh, enable the, uh, the, the, the everyone, I should say. He was more of an altruist uh, as, an, as an economist than a person interested in collecting large sums of money for himself and his, and his friends. So um, I respect the man because I feel like my goal is similar. I, I never wanted to become a billionaire or even a multimillionaire. I wouldn't mind living well. Um, but a lot of my projects, when I know I haven't even talked about these things, um, a lot of my projects when it comes to finance are trying to help people get themselves out of the cycle of poverty. Um, having been a Christian, you know, raised in a Christian faith and been a Christian my entire life, 
uh, I always ponder when I see people struggling um, to make ends meet. And I know I've struggled to make ends meet, so I know exactly how it feels. But um, it, to me, uh, crypto should be a thing of the people. And I know that there's a, there's a political scope. And it's funny because I was raised in a conservative Republican family. And then when I moved to the Bay Area, I realized there were other ways that people could think. <laughs> um, and I stopped being a Republican and stopped being a, a hard-nosed conservative and became neutral instead of going just the other side. I, I, I looked at it and said, you know, I, I, I can be on, I, on the fence. I don't have to be one side or the other. I can take, take something from both sides. But the point I'm trying to make about that is that um, my, in, my interest is primarily in helping my fellow man. Um, I realized that a lot of people have talked about uh, how crypto seems to be hurting people because it, it, it uses so much power. But it, it, the idea of crypto helps people. It can help people a lot. And I'm really looking forward to the next mm, even 10 years of what crypto is going to provide um, because I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that it will be absolutely amazing in the, in the next 10 years. And in the next 50 years, it could be even more so. I have no idea where, where it will actually end up or what, what will come of these ideas. Uh, but I'm very much excited about what can happen. And I'm really grateful I'm part of it. Well, I'm grateful you are too. I mean, I've learned so much in the last, you know, 45, 50 minutes of talking to you. And, you know, I think that's a great point to end on that, you know, crypto can be this, not necessarily out, but help people um, lower in the poverty spectrum. Uh, and I'm so glad that you said that because I think that's a great ending um, to where, you know, crypto can go and has the possibility to go. Um, so I just have one more question and it's, did you like me interviewing you? I thought this was a good interview. I didn't kind of wanted to, uh, John and I did a, a uh, early on interview where he interviewed me uh, as my, um, my YouTube channel, which I, it's almost been a year since I've done anything on it. Um, my YouTube channel was dedicated to crypto, not a hundred percent, but mostly crypto stuff. And so he interviewed me about my interest in it and kind of the same thing we're doing right now. Um, but yeah, I, I say that it was nice to, to do this again. Well, I am glad that I got to do it. And thank you so much for being my first victim. And I'm sorry if it wasn't the best experience. Um, but no problem. No problem at all. I would like to hand it back over to John to finish our podcast episode with our closer. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That was funny. I like how you did that. You know, the, the first victim, Jake, you're the first victim of many to come. <laughs> normally, normally should say uh, first victim. I mean, volunteer. Volunteer. Exactly. <laughs> right. That, that sounds so much better. The first victim. Wow. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, I, I wanted to know, and for the new listeners out there that don't know, uh, Jabberly is actually an acronym, right? Do you want to just plug yep. that in real quick? Well, um, when I started my YouTube channel, uh, I 
had done many YouTube channels and many uh, blogs before that. And I realized at the point that I made the, the content, um, I needed a way to just do anything, which is ironic. I ended up just doing crypto, but uh, I needed a way to just do anything. And so Jabarelli is a made up name. It's not my, my last name. It's my uh, uh, nom de plume or, you know, uh, acting name. Uh, so yes, Jake is not my real name. I don't mind admitting that, but I'm not going to say what my real name is yet. Uh, in any case, the uh, Jabarelli stands for just a bunch of referral links. J, just, A, E, a bunch of, O. Um, but I use the last R, 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 uh, R, E, and L, I instead of just the, the, the characters themselves as a referral and links because uh, it didn't make sense the way I was doing it initially. I was like, oh, that looks like Jabarelli. All right, it's Jabarelli now. And Jabarelli is not an actual name. You can look it up. You can look up. You can find Jake Borelli. He's the only person that actually bears a name similar. It's, it's a famous person. But Jabarelli is not a name. It's not an Italian name, even though it sounds Italian. Cool. Last question. Actually, this is something that I personally want to know. Um, sorry for stealing your thunder, uh, Alyssa. But I, I just have one question, uh, Jake. I want to know what your, your vision is for 2022. Um... I had a vision. It has now been taken from me. I'm sorry to say, and it has nothing to do with this podcast. Um, I hope make Dynamo one of my primary um, uh, coins that I'm I'm working with, not just for its value, but for, I mean for its its monetary value, but for its practical purpose. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dynamo can become in this new year, and it may not really show up in its full entirety for two or three years. But um, it was the first project I'd ever seen that actually had a lot of not just potential for value, but I mean, like I said, not just financial uh, potential value, but functional potential value uh, to actually do things, to actually become more than just a store of, of you know, monetary uh, uh, source. So I'm hoping that what the 2022 brings is functional aspects of what Dynamo does. I'm really hoping to work more with that. And <laughs> I guess what Melissa alluded to earlier was, uh, would I want, like to be in crypto full-time? Yes. Um, but there are other things I'd like to be in full-time. I would like to be working primarily for me. Ruth, the most, most ruthless boss I've ever worked for um, as the uh, thing that I do. Um, I finally have a way of doing it and I'm re really looking forward to actually doing it itself because um, working for someone else, albeit a way to get money, is not very fulfilling. Hmm. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to this new year to work for me with Dynamo and other coins and, and expanding upon what uh, Jabberly Farms does as of right now. That's awesome. Well, all, all the best of luck to you, man. I, I, I know you'll do it, man. You're, you're, you're laser focused. You got it. You got it, 100. percent It's a good way to end it. So, with that said, uh, th thank you for Jake. Obviously, first of all, thank you, Jake, for being on the podcast. Thanks, Mike, for hanging out. And Cryptolissa, thank you for hosting the event. Uh, all right. So, with that said, to the cryptonauts out there listening or watching all around the globe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we get ready to wrap up this year, uh, you can definitely check us out on uh, YouTube, Discord. Um, I'm even on Twitter. You can hang out on Twitter. We, we're doing a lot of Twitter spaces out there. 
Um, if you really like the content, make sure you hit that like button. You hit that subscribe button. I really appreciate comments. Comments are so fun. And definitely share, share, share. If you want to go the extra mile, you can definitely help donate to uh, to C3 Media uh, with you know a Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ravencoin, BNB, Ethereum, Bats, or Stablecoin USDC. All the all the uh, all the uh, links are in the description below. Actually, they're all uh, now they're all tethered into the Coin Tree, so you can click that Coin Tree, and they're all there. With that said, Cryptonauts. Until next time. Actually, I should let Cryptolissa do this. Until next time. You know, you do know that closing, Lissa. Uh, until next time, Dex, Dex, and Paul. Adios. Adios. All right.